1: That's good for the environment, good for the people who eat it, and good for the people who grow it.
0: They pick it so it's beautiful when it comes to market, and you get to enjoy that.
1: Local businesses is the, the first place that we can directly support somebody.
2: You've got to believe in what you do, and if you stick to
1: that, then you're getting there anyway. G'day there, Stephen Postuma with you for another Quicksand Food podcast. Today I'm speaking with Sarah Anderson from Pope's Produce in Winuna. Pope's Produce is a backyard market garden. Sarah provides businesses and individuals around the Illawarra with fantastic chemical-free produce. It's a small-scale farm, so she's got a lot of interaction with her audience via social media. We talk about what it's like to start a market garden and her journey into being a farmer. And we get into a bit about the challenges of being a market gardener, but also about the opportunities that are there for people who have got some land to maybe cultivate. I had a great time chatting with Sarah. We had a great tour of the farm. It was a beautiful day. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Sarah Anderson from Pope's Produce in Winuna. start with, if you want to just give us a bit of a background of Pope's Produce. I mean, it's a pretty unique place we're in now.
2: It is. So, starting from the beginning of it, our family went travelling around the world 2010 and we worked on a lot of places that were producing their own food, uh, educating people. Some of it was almost subsistence farming. We stayed in predominantly first world countries because our children were four and seven at the time. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want to put them under stress, but over the course of that 10 month trip was where the penny dropped for me that you grow your food, you take it to the kitchen, you prepare it and eat it because I didn't come from a family that had a gardening or real food culture in the background so this was all really new and quite enlightening activity for me and then having to prepare it, how to feed 10 adults at a time and trying to get it into kids so we also had a background in environmental studies environmental management uh, retail in organic food industry so after our 10 months of traveling we came back to australia and we want to showcase best practice with food and everything else ben is really awesome at manifesting things so we knew we wanted a north-facing backyard and i'm like why north-facing he goes you wait when you see it you'll get it and i'm like what about <laughs> northeast what about that property down there he's like no just wait and he found this place the family that was selling it had been growing food and chickens here for over a hundred years or about a hundred years and then as soon as I saw it it was just like "Ah!" that really special moment we'd found home we'd been living out of suitcases for the better part of a year when we got back to Australia we were at a friend's place house sitting for them so we literally had nowhere to come back to and relying on family then we found our home it's kind of just pure magic, absolute mm. magic. It took us a little while to settle in, to get our head around. I had the Google Maps print of the property on the fridge for the first six months because I couldn't understand the size of it in yeah. relationship to the rest of the neighbourhood.
1: Yeah, so there's 4,000 square metres here yeah. in the middle of Wanoona.
2: Exactly, in yeah. the middle of suburbia. It's it's just absolutely unheard of. You wouldn't pick it in a million years.
1: Yeah, um, and so you've turned it into a uh, market garden and
2: the land kind of spoke for itself. I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do. Like everybody else in the family had what they wanted to do to come back to. And I was at a little bit of a loose end and it was a random conversation between our home delivery friend and a market gardening friend. And I just thought, Market gardening it's outside it's growing things. I have north facing i 'll give it a go with no growing experience behind me at all. I just thought i'll start a market garden. How mm-hmm. hard can it be <laughs> so where
1: did you start? Where did you start from? Did you start reading first? Did you start planting straight away or
2: planting pretty much straight away um, Ben's family had grown fruit trees and had grown things over the years at different locations, so we knew the fruit trees would take a while to settle in so inside of six months of being here. We'd purchased and planted almost forty fruit trees. Wow! Starting from the top of the hill, working down as it gently slopes down, because we knew that would help with the structure. Not long after that, I I put in a couple of little garden beds, and then I did a permaculture design course to understand how to make the land work best itself. How to make the use of that slope. How to understanding drainage, understanding light, the difference between light in summer and midwinter prevailing winds so I had a a very basic understand of environmental elements and then just started from the top of the hill working down basically started from the back door one garden bed here another garden bed Mm -hmm. there and just growing for our family first and then it grew down the hill finding a few customers I went back to my job in the organic food shop so I'd sell them a little bit now and again and then after Three three years of doing that, I got the courage up and went. I can't do a garden and work and be a parent at the same time. So I ditched the paid gig and just <laughs> took a leap of faith. And went, I'm a market gardener now, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have to make it work.
1: And how did you how did you go about finding customers at the start?
2: Ah, uh, social media. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just putting it out there and blowing your own trumpet, saying and happy snaps. This is what we're doing. We're really close by mentioning it to a few friends that supported me early on yeah. and a very loyal lovely lady I used to work with who's my mum's age but she knows how labor intensive the process is and she's been pretty much my number one fan.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah. And so what what's the makeup of your sort of clientele base in terms of you know commercial and people who visit and buy boxes off you and that sort of thing?
2: I've worked it out that wholesale Is about a third of the business and the retail people come by and pick it up on a weekly basis is a third to two thirds depending and I'm slowly building workshops and consulting as that last third. So trying to diversify it because even though it is a very large block of land there is only so much I can do during the day and I've had to learn everything myself so I want to build workshops to help other people learn how to start their own gardener and have success a little bit faster than I did and just helping them to learn how to be observant in their own patches. Mm. So, yeah, and people come by too because they love the experience of coming by to pick it up. And if I built in a delivery system, well, then it would take time out of the garden. Mm -hmm. So my main focus is being hands in the dirt and growing the food and then harvesting for customers first and foremost. Mm. Mm.
1: And those three, like, I guess those three... Mm. Aspects all sort of feed one another they quite do. nicely in a bit of a cycle.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And having social media available there to engage with people and stuff's got to be world so of difference. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Because I've learned a lot through searching online and being like the Google grower, as mm-hmm. somebody coined it to me the other day. And I'm like, absolutely. Because I've found peers, I've found mentors, and I've found customers online. And not having that in my family or my immediate network to ask people and show the everyday too when something goes a little bit south you can ask for feedback and ask for advice from people that have been doing a lot longer that could be in another state or another country Mm. and they're really happy to support like emerging growers Mm. fabulous setup
1: and I guess the other thing about social media and using the web is that it becomes more than just a place for you to have a sort of a transactional relationship with your clients. Like they follow your story absolutely, and and that's what they're interested in just as much as they are interested in buying a box of veggies off you. So yeah, just having that platform there to be able to share your story and for people to be able to learn with you as you continue to learn is what, is, is what sort of keeps people engaged. And I guess, um, one thing that people are looking for when it comes to following a story is consistency. And so, doing the things that you do in, in terms of not just sort of blogging and posting on social media, but also engaging people face to face in workshops and consulting and talking directly with the restaurants that you supply, it all, once again, it all just sort of feeds itself. It does. Yeah.
2: It does. And that's it. I love human contact. I love being with people, but I also need time apart and I'm very mindful that I am sharing our story and I love having people here but balancing it with having a family life as well because I don't want one to consume the other and being online you do build a story people follow your story but it's building a community and respecting that people are interested in giving them time and giving them your energy too because that's what they're giving to you so it's just being really honest and really authentic about sharing and it's just it's a very humbling process too because when somebody sees what you're doing and they it resonates with them it's so exciting because it sort of reaffirms that other people are also really excited about the path that you're on and can take something from that journey too
1: Mm. and it's cool because I guess you can learn from others online as well and then you can pass that knowledge on and you can adapt it to your own little you know biome here in Wanoona and then and then talk to your next door neighbour about Absolutely. what you've learned of someone else.
2: And then it's the online presence also feeds directly into relationships because I'll post when I've got compost delivered or wood chip and then I'll get people directly messaging me in the same area saying, that's fantastic, Can I, could you share those contacts with me so that you indirectly and directly help each other out in your own local community mm-hmm. too. So it has a physical presence as well as that online yeah reach
1: cool. um I want to just go a little bit deeper into how you actually get your produce to the public, so starting with the businesses that that you work with and the sort of wholesale side of it, mm-hmm. what are some of the businesses that you work with around the Illawarra?
2: my My main focus with growing was going back to that permaculture element of I want to grow food for the people, so the people that I supply to, I want them to be able to enjoy it themselves not be priced out like other people are supplying a high-end clientele whereas my first client wholesale client was the local food cooperative and they've been incredibly supportive because they want local growers they want local food miles so I think they approached me first because they'd been reading my story and I knew their story because I've been following them for a while So that was a very mutually beneficial and they've also had a Christmas party here since. So they've introduced their volunteers to here and that was really fabulous. So then the volunteers could see some of their produce that they're selling actually growing. Mm -hmm. And then another wholesale customer who's been, again, so supportive understands things move differently in the garden and that I am a young grower in as much as experience. And with her cafe, she changes the menu Daily, every other day basis, mm-hmm. so they are so excited that there is somebody less than ten kilometers away, growing super fresh that one of their employees can pick up on their way to mm-hmm. work. That was picked like less than two hours before. It's and that's on Earth the World table. Up in yeah. Colbert, yeah,
1: and that's exactly. And I guess they they sort of feed back to you on the, on the other side of it because they will explain on their menu to their customers whose produce they they're using. Definitely. You know? Yeah, and um, when you've
2: got those gorgeous champions out there with like a much greater reach because people are in their businesses eating their food and they get an education through that too. Like classic yeah. example. I saw Earthwalker some really young carrots and they were super happy to see them but one, you know, they get a bit wonky sometimes. They hit a little road bump and Ciara heard one day a customer saying, oh, what's that? Because it was a wonky weird carrot on the plate. And she just did the big forehead that and went, I need to educate these people more. We need to give them more <laughs> fresh produce. So they understand that it's not your very textbook, straight up and down orange carrot. Mm. So it is. It's about educating everybody along the way. So those wholesale customers are so important for that. Mm-hmm. And being so local as well, I know I don't have to worry about trying to really insulate my food for a really long trip, that they're getting it and using it inside of six hours.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's at its unreal. absolute peak of freshness. Yeah. yeah, and, that, and that's the sort of thing that hopefully people begin to recognize when it's on a menu and then support the businesses who support yeah. you. Yeah, you know?
2: definitely. And keeping it local and keeping the multinationals a little bit further at arm's reach so that We have more independence and a little bit more food security in our areas and a little bit more resistant to outside forces. But then that respect for seasonality and respect for the more humble trades of growing food, because Mm. yes, you can have a lot of luck growing it yourself in the first season, but by the third season, you've really got to understand the plant's needs in order to keep getting a decent yield from it. Mm -hmm and my retail customers are equally as supportive and you know sometimes i've apologized about the leave the holes in the pak choi and one gorgeous lady comes from a greek background she goes no you don't have to apologize at all i'm greek i love this i can see it growing and (laughs) she was super happy for it and if some of the produce is a little bit less than perfect the customers really appreciate that because they know that here is chemical free it's grown outside and it's just rainwater and sunshine with locally made compost.
0: Mm-hmm. That's it.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then, so the, the second the second way that the public can get a hold of your stuff, you say people um, come and pick up their boxes? Yeah.
2: yeah. So it's I only pick for order. I've trialed a couple of times going to market with a lot of produce, but I've gone down the wrong path with that a couple of times and taken home like nine-tenths of what I picked. Right. And being such a small grower, it's... It's not viable. Right. So I only offer online or if um, somebody has a special order, a special request, quite often I can feel that, but mm-hmm. otherwise it's a weekly order, pre-order, and then they pick up on assigned days. Cool. And they come to me, and it's great. Have a quick chat. Find so out how does what that work? Did
1: it, did, did, someone can find you on Facebook and, yes. and say, what have you got in the garden at the moment?
2: I usually or do you make, just
1: say a box that's yeah, worth a certain I, amount?
2: Exactly. Yeah, okay. I usually do the latter one because I... If I'm picking a little bit of the carrot and a little bit of parsley, it gets very awkward for me to manage yeah. set things. Rather, I will make up a bunch for them on a weekly basis or best on show on the day. So mm. it'll could be, it be a cross between... So wintertime, there'll be shallots, mizuna, so some of the brassicas, um, the kales, mixed salad, citrus, rhubarb, that kind of thing. And then summertime, it'll change up, and then people will get... Bombarded with the zucchinis and the cucumbers, I'll have another go at tomatoes this year, mm-hmm. and then the salad mixes change each season too, from the slightly more bitter ones in winter time, just to the really fresh, crunchy ones in summertime.
1: Yeah, nice, cool. I think that um, it's promising in a sense that these veggie box systems are working for a lot of different people, in that people aren't people now are willing to just buy what's in season and then adapt what they're cooking at home to it rather than saying yeah. this is what I'm going to cook this week and it, like you know at this time of year in the winter they say well I want to cook like a tomato salad on Friday night yeah. and it's like well you shouldn't be no. cooking tomato salad on Friday night because there's no tomatoes exactly so yeah it's 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 good to see people because it, it, it forces you to learn how to, how to use massively. the seasons massively
2: and sometimes if there's something really unusual that I put put in them on the bunches uh, again the joys of social media I can take a happy snap <clears throat> excuse me and then tell people how to use it or how I use it at home yep and again social media if they get something they're not sure about or they don't like a recipe that I've got they can go and search for another recipe themselves right before dinner time mm-hmm. and then they're getting an education they're supporting an independent local business and they're eating seasonally which is far more beneficial for their bodies
1: mm, 100% Um yeah. and then in terms of sort of like the workshops and getting people, taking people through the farm and stuff, do you want mm. to tell us about how, how you, how you do that?
2: It, it's, it's a little bit of revealing the magic trick to people because everything I've learned in the kitchen, in the garden has been by experience and I've had, <coughs> excuse me, so much joy through that from learning how to make tortillas and learning how to make pizzas, learning when something's ready to pick. And people don't often have access to that these days and they're such simple things that are easy to build into a repertoire like tortillas I can smash them out in the morning and have them in lunch boxes by 20 past seven and include a few herbs and stuff from the garden and you know to be able to do that on mass I did those for a party as well for like 30 people so you can have a stack and people can do a pick and mix yep. they know they're fresh they know that they've been handmade so it's really that really wanting to promote skill sharing and then being able to show people what a backyard a productive backyard edible landscape looks like like they might know what a bunch of rhubarb looks like in the supermarket or their local fruit and veg shop but to actually see the plant growing and see when it's thriving and how how to connect to their food and seeing what will grow in their area Mm. that's the main thing is just showcasing people so it lifts the lid on some of the mysteries and they can ask anything they like. They can get their hands in the soil and they can see things in situ. We've had kids come through and eat an apple straight off the tree and watch their eyes roll back as the juice is dripping down their (laughs) chins saying, oh my god, this is the best I've ever eaten. And adults and kids alike, you know, picking snow peas straight off the vine, not having had that experience of eating something grown directly in front of them before. Love it. So that's it, is just really wanting to provide people with that opportunity and saying, this is what super fresh and this is what garden fresh tastes like.
1: The thing about that as well is that it's not just... Because you're educating people, because you're showing people... it. It's something that they'll pass on to other people. They'll Absolutely. communicate to other people. And they say, look, like we went to this place in Wenunil and they grow all their own stuff. And yeah. it's it, it creates conversation between people that might not necessarily be engaged with the food that's around them. So, it, yeah, it, it's it's a sharing of knowledge, not only between you and the next person, but it's a storyline that sort of goes, goes down another road.
2: It, it's so beautiful because um, last year we had a... Backyard Music Festival it was a fundraiser for Waves for Water an opportunity for some local friends to get up and perform their music over the course of the afternoon we had like 150 people through the backyard wow (laughs) and then I was back at work the following week and I was talking to one of the customers and saying oh yeah we did this on the weekend blah 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 I had this great music festival in the backyard and her friend that she was with went yeah I was there and I was like Mm -hmm. I'm sorry I didn't see you and I was in our own place and meeting market gardeners that had been invited by a third party that I'd been respecting you know for ages and I'd heard about their story and I was really excited to meet them and then we had a cross between surfers and growers and customers and neighbors all coming together because it was an open door policy for that afternoon and have Mm. everyone sharing on that vibe on the summer's day
1: it's a great a way trait. to get everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before that because of the sort of landscape here and because of where we are, where we are here mm. in the Illawarra, the range of stuff that you can grow in the climate here is really, really broad. It is. Yeah. And
2: again, with the permaculture design, learning how to observe the different pockets around the garden. So sometimes. I've tried even growing peanuts, a, a legume that are more tropical. And then we've got mangoes that are fruited beautifully. We can get some apples out that are more of a chill zone thing that need, like the chill during winter. Some of the brassicas. So it really varies from a subtropical through to borderline temperate. Mm-hmm. And then with the humidity over summertime, we have to watch out for that on the cucumbers and things but, you know, being able to harvest like an 11 kilo watermelon and chop it open and just like snorkel it and have juice everywhere <laughs> is so fabulous. And then the lemon tree going crazy, The limes in wintertime. So that's part of the medicine of the garden, too. So all these citrus are really springing to life now as everybody gets the coughs and the sniffles mm. and you can power up on those the lettuces grow really slow, but then the brassicas are doing well, so there's kale in everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Go Sometimes ahead. the kids look at the kale and go, like, why? <laughs> really?
1: That's good, though. Yeah. Okay. It's it's awesome to give them education into the, the variety that's yeah. out there because there are still a lot of kids nowadays who eat very plainly.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, their taste buds can be a little bit more set. well, usually are a lot more sensitive than the standard adult taste bud if you've been eating... You know, lots of curries and chilli-based dishes and you've kind of killed a few of your taste buds off over the years. They're a bit more sensitive. And when they've got the unknown presented to them, it's it's a little bit daunting for them. Mm. But I volunteer at my son's school too, teaching gardening there because the school can't come to me. And I think it's so important that kids have that connection to mm. their food.
1: And you see more of that, which is really great It's
2: unreal. Yeah. And it's vital that they have some connection nice and early on. They're taking that information home and helping to educate their parents on new and crazy fruit and veg. And that some weeds are actually edible. Some flowers are edible. Mm. And they just love it so much. And you watch the little faces light up as they're harvesting the limes off the tree. And they get to about the size of a a golf ball. Can we pick this? No, it's got to grow a bit bigger yet. Oh, this one fell off the tree. Mm. Uh (laughs) because they just really want to get their hands into it. So getting kids involved is just so important. And it's so much fun.
1: Mm. There's so much that, energy. Once it gets on the plate as well, like seeing yeah. that, connect, that full circle connection from growing it to eating it is yeah. so important as well because it's not just something that's come in a, in a bag or whatever it is. And totally. Yeah.
2: Totally. It's so much fun. Like we grow sweet potatoes at the school garden. They harvest them like going on the, the proverbial Easter egg hunt. I'd take them home and at the end of term I'd cook them something. So I made them a sweet potato cake and they're like, what? This has sweet potato in it? And we grew this. So there was that pride of ownership yeah. that they participated 100%. in it as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess lastly, there's a lot of people now are sort of starting to grow in their own gardens and, and sort of dipping their toes into into growing. Yeah. And you've probably learnt from a few mistakes along the hey. way and learnt a lot from other people as well yeah. have you got some sort of tips for people who want to start growing maybe not not even necessarily a market garden but just starting to grow food for their family what's something that people should think about when when starting out
2: time how much time they're prepared to commit to it Right. so a really great start especially if you're not sure how much light or energy or access to water you've got are sprouts on the kitchen sink yep So you rinse them morning and evening, and from three days on, you've got um, an edible product that you can sprinkle over your salads or put in your dinner or onto your soup. If you have more space and a little bit more time, and you know you can commit to it, pots. Pots will dry out in summertime, so you've just got to keep the water up to them. If you've got a little bit of an area for a little patch, just observe the soil, see what sort of life is in it, and just stick something in and then just give it attention.
1: Is there any sort of like entry-level stuff that you that you reckon a, a bit of just a robust thing that's a bit of a no-brainer for people?
2: Yeah, salad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah lettuces. Yeah. Start with lettuce because you can eat them at some stage or another. Some of the herbs, parsley does well. Mm. Maybe not always transplanted, but once it's in, it's great. Mm.
1: There's lots of herbs, yeah. that, things like thyme and sage and yeah. stuff like that. Nasturtiums
2: like, in winter, yeah, you can eat the leaves and the flowers and then you can pickle the seed pods.
1: Yeah. Fantastic.
2: and they'll, they'll get growing and then they bring that really vibrant hit of colour into the garden you've got ones from bright yellows mixes through the oranges and the reds and they don't need much attention at all so you can still include those in every meal
1: mm, fantastic um, any last thoughts like anything happening for you for the future anything else you wanted um, to talk about I guess I guess a part of it's just continuing to develop those relationships with the local community
2: it is. I'd like to work a little bit more with our neighbours on the generating compost and getting them involved, but still still giving them space, making a little bit more opportunities for the neighbours, um, more volunteering, more workshops. But again, it's working it out with the family. So
0: mm-hmm. I think
2: just improving the systems that I've already got in place, because I'm really good on ideas and I'm not always as practical as I could be. Mm-hmm. So... Turning down the ideas or at least documenting them and just finessing the work already in practice. Cool. So fantastic. that's kind of where it's up to. Springs just about around the corner, and it's all gonna get going again.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So and then you can find Post Produce on Facebook and if Instagram. you wanna buy a box, Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Happy days. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Thanks for talking to me. Thank sir. you. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for another quicksand food podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Sarah Anderson from Pope's Produce. If you want to find out more about Sarah and what she does, you can follow her on social media at Pope's Produce or visit her website, popesproduce.com. If you want to find out more about us, you can visit our website, quicksandfood.com or follow us at quicksandfood on Facebook and Instagram. Please get out there and support the Illawarra Cookbook. It's available from all good Illawarra retailers and through our website. Please support local food and please support independent publishing. Thank you for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you again with the next episode hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade
0: your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to
1: 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing